0: listening
1: to the up and under podcast starting in three two one
0: yo what's up guys welcome into the up and under podcast i'm your host honey joined with me as always it's zishan yo all right man another edition of the quarantine podcast y'all already know the drill at this point uh but man on this episode we are f- at, we are at the finale we are at the, the finals of our bracket determine the best starting five of all time like we're down to the conference finals matchup and we'll also be giving our, the final matchup of this bracket and it's been a pretty competitive bracket overall like I, I personally think it's been a, been a pretty fun challenge for us to um, kind of dive into and to kind of you know see the, the, the differences and the amount of talent some of these teams have actually had you know on their rosters.
1: Yeah, um it, it's been it's been competitive to say the least. Even um you know uh it, it's interesting to see even our um you know different viewpoints on some of the things uh you know where we disagreed, where you know who would advance, um you know where we you know uh, uh debated with each other you can say about certain points of you know of the brackets um so yeah, it, it's been fun. It's been an interesting uh, kind of challenge for us, to say the least, for sure. Yeah,
0: but again, speaking of uh, like, you know previous episodes, if you haven't checked out you know the like the the like through the last three episodes, definitely check them out. We basically go through the first and second rounds of of this bracket, and we're now here, you know, pro- at the culmination of all of this. And you know, these were not easy matchups. And again, I think the one thing about this challenge that made it so so much more fun was just how difficult some of these matchups became. Because again, we, these were randomly generated. We didn't really like we never ranked anything. If you go back to the to the first part, you'll you'll know how we randomly generated these uh, these matchups. And man, that was for the for the best, man, because it made it really really hard. And this episode is no different. Yeah,
1: even, like, when you're, when, uh, if you looked at our first episode where, um, from one of my, uh, uh, series, I had the Lakers versus the Warriors, and, you know, that was, I think, the first matchup of the whole series, of the whole, um, bracket that I had, you know, yeah, like, one of the first matchups that I had of the whole bracket, and already, right off the bat, you know, it was such a, uh, a difficult, um, decision to make about that series so like right off the bat it was you know we could tell it's gonna be a really competitive uh, a really tough uh you know bracket to make
0: yeah for sure uh but again we finally reached the the finale episode and in this episode we're going to be covering the conference finals matchups uh, and because in the last episode we started with the Eastern Conference, it's only fair that we start with the Western Conference in this episode. So, Zishan, why don't you take that away?
1: Yeah, uh, no problem. I think even, to be honest, it'll, it'll you know, end off better because I think your matchup is more intense than mine. Though mine, I would say, is uh, a pretty even match as well. Um, So for my Western Conference Finals matchup, I have the L.A. Lakers versus the Seattle Supersonics slash Oklahoma City Thunder franchise. Now, again, as I reiterated in previous episodes, um, the ESPN articles which we used, they originally had the Thunder and Supersonics franchises separate. Um, You know, just for the sake of making our, you know, bracket easier, I combined the two. So for the Lakers starting lineup, once again we have Magic Johnson, Jerry West, Kobe Bryant, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, and Shaquille O'Neal. And for the Supersonic slash Thunder matchup, uh slash Thunder uh starting lineup, we have Russell Westbrook, Gary Payton, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Jack Sigma Now again, <clears throat> um, you know, I always start off uh on the defensive end. Um I'd say both teams, to be honest, are pretty uh evenly matched up defensively. Not the best defensive um, you know, teams that we've seen throughout the bracket, as we'll see with Hani's Eastern Conference uh finals matchup, which are two teams that are much better defensively than these two teams. Um again, yeah, so these aren't some of the greatest teams defensively we've seen in this bracket. Um, And they're pretty evenly matched. You know, we're talking about great defenders on each side of each team. For example, you know, obviously the best defender on the Thunder uh, franchise being Gary Payton. Um, On the Lakers side, we have, for example, Kobe Bryant. Um, So, again, it's not a great defensive battle, but you have plenty of players that can get the job done, Um, a few that excel defensively. And, you know, uh, to be honest, it's a very... At the very least, it's a, you know, a average to above average series defensively when we're talking about the grand scheme of things in this bracket. Um, flipping things over to the offensive side of the ball. Now, this is where it gets really interesting because you see the... Um, the dynamic between the two teams, and you see the differences between the two teams. Now, right off the bat, we can tell, uh, for sure that the OKC franchise does have a lot more of a, a modern, a more conducive offense, uh, a more spacious offense, a more, you know, free flowing offense, um, eh, just an offense that is not as, uh, you know, as bad of a fit as the Lakers is. Now, again, the Lakers. Offense, no doubt, is going to be good just because of the talent that they have. But, again, if we're talking about fit-wise, offensively, the Thunder do have a better fit, you know, in terms of the team talent they have. Again, that might be partly because of me combining, you know, making this lineup from the Supersonics franchise and the Thunder lineup. Um, so, I, it, you know, you can call it cheating, but eh, it is what it is. Um so, yeah, uh, you know, they do have a more modern offense just off the bat. You know, when you're talking about Kevin Durant um, at the four spot, Jack Sigma at the five spot being able to shoot threes, um, the rest of their lineup being able to shoot threes, you know, minus, like, Russell Westbrook. Um, and then, you know, again, talking about Russell Westbrook, just like I mentioned last episode, um, the Thunder offense, this Thunder offense can legit go 5 out you know, um, and can space the floor with Russell Westbrook attacking Magic Johnson. Now, again, Magic Johnson, you know, a, a good defender, um, you know, a big guy, but, you know, we're talking about Russell Westbrook, one of the most athletic and fastest guards um, in NBA history, and him attacking the paint, uh, he attacks the paint like, you know, no other guards that we've ever seen. Um, so, The Thunder offense being able to space out the floor for him and him being able to just attack the lane um, without anybody there uh, is really a big strong suit for this Thunder team. And then the other matchup that this Thunder team on offense uh, can dominate and exploit is especially is the Kevin Durant versus Kareem matchup um and that would be a nightmare because of the fact that you know Kareem is you know a 7 foot 2 7 foot 3 guy whatever he was um or 7 to 1 whatever he was but whereas you have a guy in Kevin Durant who is legitimately 7 feet but can handle the ball like a guard is as quick as a guard like i don't have to say anything more about Kevin Durant we know that he's arguably the most offensively talented uh player of all time to be honest, Um, and not to mention the fact that he is a wing that's tall enough to play the four um, and can really exploit his matchup with Kareem, Um, and even, to be honest, even if you were to try to shift Kareem around on defense, it wouldn't really matter because then it would just be continuously worse when you have guys like Russell Westbrook, Payne, and James Harden, who are all smaller than Kareem and can uh, exploit that matchup just as well um as Kevin Durant um and obviously if you move Kareem to the five spot defensively on Jack Sigma um then you have the issue of Shaq being able having to keep up with some of these guys so those are two uh you know really big factors that worked out well for the Thunder which they can exploit um whereas on the other hand for the Lakers side of the ball um now, again, as I said, it's not as much of a free-flowing offense, more modern offense than the Thunder are, but looking at the names on the Lakers and looking at what they can do, it really is a tale of two different styles. We're talking about you know, the threes versus twos argument. Um, you know, Three-pointers are worth more than twos, but you have to make more three-pointers, uh, whereas hitting those two-pointers are easier. And it's a case of bully ball versus, you know, small ball, modern offense. Um, Obviously, I think right off the bat, offensively, you can start with the matchup of Kareem and Shaq. Now, simply put, they would dominate their matchups offensively. You can talk about um, uh, KD dominating Kareem on offense. The thing with KD is he'll be able to shoot some threes, so he could arguably outscore Kareem. But... Again, Kareem does have the dominating factor of him being seven two. Um, him being that tall, having the most unstoppable move in NBA history, being able to post up Kevin Durant at will. And then we have Shaq the tank. You know, the tank that is Shaq posting up on Jack Sigma. Now I like Jack Sigma as a player, but you know, there's nobody uh there's maybe a couple of guys in NBA history that could stop Shaq on defense and none of them are playing on this court. So the uh the dominance of the two big men up front for the Lakers will definitely, you know, carry the bulk of the load offensively. And then obviously we have the greatest in my opinion um uh you know, playmaker of all time in Magic Johnson who can exploit uh his matchup with Russell Westbrook. You know, he's uh you know, pretty much like a five-inch difference between the two, him being able to post up on Russell Westbrook. Um, and then, obviously, we have Kobe and Jerry West. Now, the main issue, uh, we're talking about two of the greatest scores in NBA history and then Kobe uh, being a top five score of all time. Now, you do have Gary Payton for the Thunder. And, yeah, he could definitely, you know, give one of those two guys trouble. The issue is whoever you put on, whoever you put Gary Payton on, the other guy will score. Because you have James Harden um, guarding the other guy defensively. Now, again, I've I've said that James Harden gets bad rap defensively, but James Harden is not stopping either Jerry West or Kobe Bryant. So, if you put GP on Jerry West, Kobe's gonna go off for you know 40 at least. If you put GP on Kobe Bryant, Jerry West can go off for 40 as he has done numerous times in his career as well. So, again, this is a very, I think, interesting matchup um, and a fun matchup because it's more of the, you know, argument and discussion that we've seen um, in these last few years pertaining to, you know, the whole small ball Golden State um, and Houston Rockets versus guys like Shaq who have talked about, oh, you know, we would dominate all of these guys. It's a very I think it's a um, it's it's a matchup that describes where the NBA is. At this point and what the arguments are for both sides now I've always said that to be honest um, though I don't like it threes are better than twos but in this case the matchup and the dominance that especially the two big men up front for the Lakers possess um, and you know plus what the other three guys that they have I feel like they would be able to bully this Thunder team um, and be able to punish them, um, on offense, control the boards, and if they need to, they might be able to, you know, at least run a little bit with the Thunder, because you do have Showtime, Mr. Showtime himself and Magic Johnson, you do have Jerry West and Kobe Bryant on the wings, and don't forget Shaq, Shaq was a tank, but he was also an athletic monster, so, Yes, the Thunder will be a faster team than the Lakers, but if they need to, the Lakers can run very well with the Thunder. So just the dominance that the Lakers assert, um, plus the fact that the Lakers have enough of have enough speed, you know, to at least play ball with the Thunder, I think gives them the edge in the series. I would say probably. Uh, the Lakers would win this in either six or seven. I would lean towards a six-game series.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with a lot of what you what you've said, especially the fact that this is basically the argument between what the modern day basketball, what we see today, and what the bas- the old school basketball, the traditional style, as old heads have been clinging on to, and you know for me personally speaking just growing up in the era where you know mid-range and post moves and fundamentals were all super uh you know important and like they were kind of drilled in me as I was growing up you know to me I always had a connection and a bias towards that but man you can't I can't say as a basketball fan that the three-point shot and having the ability to spread the floor isn't effective like just from a schematic perspective like you know I've just looking at, like, you know, watching a guy like B-Ball Breakdown, you know, break down, like, just, like, analyze how the Warriors' spacing has led to them winning titles because of the fact that how could you stop that when you have two of the best shooters of all time and then you add Kevin Durant to that. So, it, it, you know, it it's really, this, this matchup is basically the precipice of that argument. Now, again, the matchup-wise, I think... Both teams like will cancel each other out defensively. I think it just really comes down to who will outscore who, and quite frankly, the Lakers are just more talented in that regard. Like when you're talking about the best, like two top five scorers of all time, and Kareem and and Kobe Bryant, Jerry West can also score. Not to mention, Shaq is an interior monster. He he can probably dominate, and Magic facilitating. Like it, it's the similar argument. How do you stop them? Not to mention, you have pure physicality on the Lakers' side like, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, like, they're not the toughest guys to mess with, okay, maybe, maybe Westbrook, but Westbrook is severely, you know, undersized in this matchup, like, you know, when you're going up against a 6-7 Magic Johnson, and you're 6-3 Russell Westbrook, like, who's really going to win that matchup, it's most likely going to be Magic Johnson, um, but again, like, Kevin Durant and and James Harden, could you do you really expect them to hang with the amount of physicality that guys like Kobe, Shaq, until to, to a certain degree, Kareem Abdul Jabbar will even show you because again, those guys played in eras where that level of physicality was a necessity to win. Whereas Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and these guys haven't played in an era like that, so I think that plays a big factor in there because again, you know, pushing them around, forcing them into mistakes, forcing them into turnovers can really you know, be the edge the Lakers need. But, man, I have to agree. You know, the, the the Lakers just clearly are the more talented team. You know, they can not only keep up with the Thunder, you know, they can, you know, and but they can absolutely dominate them on the offensive end because the, the Thunder just don't have the defensive talent to stop the, to stop the Lakers' firepower. So I have to agree. Uh, the Western Conference champions in this bracket has to be the Los Angeles Lakers. Um... Now, flipping things over to the Eastern Conference. Now, if you guys thought that that, like, that last matchup was intense, this is probably, I think this is my hardest matchup. The hardest matchup I've had to do in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, and, you know, lucky for me, it happened in the Conference Finals. So, the Eastern Conference Finals matchup is between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Chica- Chicago Bulls. Now, as far as the Chicago Bulls go, their starting all-time starting five consists of Derek Rose, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Artis Gilmore. Meanwhile, the Milwaukee Bucks all-time starting five consists of Oscar Robertson, Sidney Moncrief, Ray Allen, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Now so let's start off with the Bulls here. The Bulls clearly have the better talent when it comes like just we're talking pure talent. Here when it comes to Rose, Rodman, Pippen, and Jordan. Like those guys, those four guys I just mentioned are extremely talented, especially when we're talking about them in their prime. Not to mention the Bulls have the better defensive team. You know, when you when you when I mention Rodman, Pippen, and Michael Jordan, those three guys alone are probably three of the best perimeter defenders of all time. Then you add in a guy, a solid defender, and Artis Gilmore makes for a pretty good defensive team and comparatively to the Bucks, they are the better defensive team. And you know, and again we can't deny the greatness of Michael Jordan as well. You know, they can they can score, they can defend. They're a very good all-round team. And one thing I do wanna mention about the Bulls is they can play in a, mo- a modern style, especially on defense. Their ability to switch, especially between Michael Scotty and and Rodman, is so effective, especially how Wing-centric, the league has gotten, and I'll get to that in just in just a bit. And flipping things over to the Bucks now, the Bucks obviously have the height advantage; they have floor space, you know, they have the force spacing needed. But you know, I feel like that kind of gets negated due to the Bulls' perimeter defense, and I'll touch upon that when I when I get more into the matchups. But the Bucks have obviously the more athletic and dynamic players, especially when you're talking about Giannis, the Big O, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know. They're also the, the Bucks are also the better playmaking team. I mean, Oscar Robinson wasn't called Mr. Triple-Double for nothing. Giannis is a good, solid playmaker. Ray Allen can be a solid playmaker. Sidney Moncrief can be a solid playmaker. So they have guys who are willing to pass the ball, and then you have the greatest scorer of all time in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, you know, the Bucks are no slouches in this matchup either. So now let's break down each individual matchup. So the first matchup, and again, I'm going off of if these two lineups play Positionally, um, because again, it doesn't really make sense for these guys for, th- for them to do it any other way. Um, but if we're looking at the first matchup, point guards Oscar Robertson versus Derrick Rose, no question, Oscar Robertson would dominate this matchup. Reason why he has the size advantage on Derrick Rose, you know, you know, and Derrick Rose is not a great defender, and Oscar Robertson is a better defender in his own right, which means he can not only stop Derrick Rose on the offensive end, but he can also beat Derrick Rose on the, you know when Derrick Rose is playing defense on him. So I think that matchup is easily a win on the Bucs side. Now, when you're comparing Sidney Moncrief and Michael Jordan, although, as mentioned in previous episodes, Sidney Moncrief is a really good defender, probably one of the best defenders of his time. No one can deny, Michael Jordan is one of the greatest scorers of all time. He is the GOAT. He will score on anybody. And then when you also talk about the fact that Sidney Moncrief isn't the greatest offensive player you know he's an average offensive player, and Michael is a really good def- perimeter defender. So not only I feel like Michael can beat Moncrief by scoring, I feel like Michael can, well, you just batter Moncrief. You know, like it's really hard to stop Michael Jordan on the offensive end. Michael can also lock up Moncrief on defense, making him a non-factor on both ends. So that's a point. So that's an edge for the balls right there. Now I feel like this is. These next two matchups are probably my favorite, like most interesting in my opinion. We're talking about Ray Allen and Scotty versus Scottie Pippen. Now, in the last in the last round, the Bucks really needed Ray Allen to give them to give them the, ed- you know, Ray Allen really gave him that edge, you know, to make it here because that f- that extra element of floor spacing on top of what the Bucks already have is absolutely a. A saving grace for the Bucks because again, when you, you when you're just talking about the Bucks' interior dominance with Oscar Robertson, uh, Giannis, and Kareem, you know it can get crowded up and it can be easy to stop. But then when you add an an extra dynamic in Ray Allen, that opens things up immensely because now you have kickout options. Then you got pick and pop options. There's just it opened up the floor. But even though Ray Allen is hands down a top three shooter of all time you're putting one of the greatest defender, one-on-one perimeter defenders of all time on him and Scottie Pippen. And honestly speaking, like Zeeshan was saying that shooters are going to, you know, he was telling me while we were making the notes, the shooters are going to get their shots up. Like Steph Curry is going to get their get his shots up, and I agree with that. Like shooters, like if you're... That great of a shooter, you will get a shot off. But when you're going up against a great defender, that defender is going to do everything he can to put a hand up, disrupt you. And again, shooting is all about rhythm. If you're in your rhythm, you will knock down a bunch. But as soon as a defender is able to you know, get a hand in there or kind of push you out of your element, I feel like that really takes away from your game. So Ray can get as many shots as he wants, but if they're not clean looks or if they're not you know, the type of shots that he's comfortable with, it, he's not he's gonna he's not gonna be as effective as he was in previous rounds because of the the defensive effort. So that's why I, I would say Scottie Pippen would take advantage of this matchup and would actually win this matchup. And he would also do so on the offensive end since Ray Allen isn't a great defender, and Scottie could really take advantage of that, being a bigger player, you know, being able to, to shoot and being able to attack the basket as well. Then this one this next matchup is very interesting. Giannis Antetokounmpo taking on Dennis Rodman. Now, if there's any player who I could think of who could possibly slow down a player like Giannis, Dennis Rodman would probably be one of those players that would come to mind. Just because Rodman is one of those players that is just so physically imposing that, you know, he forces great players to make mistakes, especially like a like a Giannis, who again, you know, he's uh, Giannis is a strong player, but Dennis Rodman is a very strong dude too. You don't want to mess with Dennis Rodman like, he's positionally solid, he's quick on his feet, you know, that matchup in and of itself would be a tough one for Giannis, but what gives Giannis a slight edge is the fact that Giannis has the height, he has the length advantage, you know, so he could realistically be able to get around Rodman if Rodman is, you know, caught on on, on a bad switch or, you know, any mismatches kind of get into place, especially, I would say, the, the Oscar Robertson and Giannis pick and roll would probably be the the point of attack for Giannis to take advantage of because as soon as he switches on the Derrick Rose, that's game over. Um, so I would give Giannis the edge in that matchup. And then finally, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, uh, yeah, Kareem Abdul Jabbar versus uh, Artis Gilmore, and Kareem is one of the greatest scorers of all time. You know that that to me is um, you know it's it's no question. I mean, Artis Gilmore is a solid defender, but he can't stop Kareem. So. Looking at like looking at this up and down, you know it seems about even. Like actually, it seems a bit more that the Bucks might have the advantage here. But the one thing that I was telling Zishan about is the Bulls are the better defensive team, and you know I mentioned how the perimeter defense of Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman is going to be a problem. The reason why I say that is because no matter what the Bucks would try. If these three guys are involved, it's not gonna work. So if the Bucks try to run a pick and pick and pop with Giannis and Ray Allen, that's not gonna work because if Ray Allen gets switched on, switched on the Rodman, Rodman can still cont- can guard the perimeter, and then if Giannis gets switched on to Pippin, well, Pippin is just as big and can can still hang with Giannis. So that's not a matchup that's gonna work. Okay, what about Sidney Moncrief and and Oscar Robertson? Okay, now you have the Big O being guarded by Michael Jordan. That's even worse. And again, Sidney Moncrief being guarded by Derrick Rose, you can argue that that's an advantage for the Bucks. But then again, how like Sidney Moncrief isn't the greatest offensive player. Like he's not a a shooter, so he wouldn't be able to spread the floor or be as effective. So putting Derrick Rose on him doesn't actually, you know, you know, mess up the Bulls in any sort of way. So. In reality, although it looks like like the only realistic options, the real advantages will be Oscar Roberts and Kareem Abdul Jabbar for the Bucks, because every other player would be negated due to the Bulls' defensive prowess. So just based on that fact, and just based on the fact that Jordan can give you thirty any night, Pippen has the possibility of giving you thirty every night, and if Rose can give you a solid fifteen to twenty a night, that's enough scoring output for the Bulls to really take advantage. Uh, of this Bucks team because this Bucks team that came into the series so multi-dimensional lost a lot of its elements because of how the Bulls are able to contain them so you know the old saying defense wins championships and that's what I'm kind of going off of for, for this pick so although I think this is gonna be a very close matchup, I think that, that that extra defensive edge that the Bulls have is the reason why I think the Bulls are gonna take this series in seven games
1: um, yeah, I think you named, uh, pretty much a lot of the points that I was thinking of as well, considering, you know, we talked about this matchup, um, uh, for a majority of the time we spent making the notes, just because it was, uh, just because of how close, um, this matchup is. It was uh, a toss-up. It was a, it was a really big toss Like, either, you could go... With either team, to be honest, and it, there's not really a problem. I would probably give the edge to Chicago, as you mentioned. You know that big three defensive lineup of of uh, M J, Scotty, and uh, Worm. Um, you know really does a number on on the Bucks' offense. Considering you have a guy like Giannis, who can be uh, a lot of his strengths can be negated by the strength. And the quickness and the length of a guy like Dennis Rodman um, that would really hamper their offense. Not to mention a guy like Paul Pierce being able to uh, use his length and quickness as well on uh, the Bucks. You know, arguably most off- uh, most um, important offensive weapon being Ray Allen. Um, you know, Paul Pierce can bother him as you're talking about get get him out of his rhythm. Um, and if you don't have Ray Allen spacing the floor for this Bucks team, it can get really uh, bad really quickly. Um, again, considering who you have defensively on the bull side of things. Um, without a guy like Ray Allen being able to space the floor, you would have a really congested offense. Um, uh, uh, an offense where a lot of the guys do the same things, um, which is not you know, necessarily a recipe for success. Um, But again, yeah, you you mentioned most of the points I was saying, but um, pretty much, yeah, I I would agree with you. Um, It is a toss-up either way. Uh, You could go with either team. Um, But uh, me personally also, I would probably go with Chicago in seven. So we have the Eastern Conference Finals uh, Eastern Conference champions being the Chicago Bulls. Now yep. we get to the big moment of the finals of the whole bracket. So we yep. have the Western Conference champions, the Los Angeles Lakers, versus the Eastern Conference champions, the Chicago Bulls. And uh, how
0: how convenient, you know, you yeah, have how two of two of the probably the most historic franchises of, of all time and the Lakers and the Bulls and here they are. um, You know, I think, straight off the bat, I think one thing that we could honestly say is that the both these teams did not have easy paths to get to where they are. Like, I think you there's even, no
1: easy paths, man, on this whole bracket for whatever team. Cause it's, I mean, there it's was a couple of the easy greatest lineups. Yeah, but again, it is 30 of the greatest lineups ever, you know, you could ever assemble. So, I mean...
0: I mean, but um, these the, these two teams that particularly had some pretty tough matchups. I mean, like we, we were having Golden State in the first round for the Lakers, like to the to the Bulls facing the Miami Heat, and then now the Bucks in the next round. Like these were some they they, they had some tough paths. But again, they, they they got here for a reason. These are probably two of the greatest lineups of all time. So no matter who really wins here, arguably like these are some of the top like the best players of all time. So. There's no real loser here in this case. So this is just kind of warming up the fan bases and not, you know, getting yeah. get angry with us.
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um starting out with uh again, defensively I, I, I usually start out with the defense. Um again looking at Hani just talked about this um a whole lot in this past series. Uh looking at the defensive names on the Chicago Bulls. Chicago definitely has the overall better defensive team, Um, for sure, when you're talking about MJ, Scottie, Rodman, Artis Gilmore at center, you know, besides Derrick Rose, there's a very strong overall defensive team, Uh, whereas the Lakers are not as great of a defensive team, but again, they do have enough to be be able to get at least some of the job done with guys like, you know, Kobe. Shaq, Shaq, and cream though they're not the greatest defenders you know at the very least they can get their blocks um so you know at the very least they can be able to do that and then you have a big guy like magic johnson at the point guard spot so again the chicago bulls do have a overall better defensive lineup but just like how i talked uh about in my western conference series a lot of this comes down to the matchups um, and the exploitations each team can use when it comes to a matchup. Um, so the Chicago Bulls again do have a better defensive overall team, but I think the Lakers do have a couple of matchups where they can really exploit their dominance on offense. No matter what the fit is, um, you know, no matter how awkward the offense looks. They have the guys to be able to get the job done and outscore the Chicago Bulls um, offensively. Uh, when we start off with the point guard spot, Magic Johnson versus Derrick Rose. Now again, Magic Johnson won't give you thirty a night, but he'll be able to get the job done. Um, and not to mention the fact that he's a much bigger guard than Derrick Rose. He can post up Derrick Rose. He can push Derrick Rose around a bit. Um, you know, he he can he can really bully Derrick Rose. Um, in that matchup Jerry West obviously versus Michael Jordan Um, you know Michael Jordan was a great defender obviously the better player Uh, but at the very least you have a guy in Jerry West Jerry West that you know can space the floor for you so when we're talking about the big men who are posting up uh, when the defense does collapse on them you have at least Jerry West be able to at the very least uh, space the floor shoot some open threes and he'll be knocking them down. Um, so you know, you don't really need Jerry West for more than that. Um, Kobe Bryant versus Scotty Pippen. is arguably the best perimeter defender uh of all time. But we're talking about Kobe Bryant here, Michael Jordan reincarnated. Again, this would be a tough matchup for Kobe, no doubt. But Kobe is Kobe Bryant, like I don't gotta say much more about that. Um he'll he'll get his points either way. No matter how tough it is, no matter who's on him, he'll get his points eventually. I think um, I'll talk about the center spot before I move on to the fourth spot, which I think is the most interesting matchup um, in this regard. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal with Artis Gilmore. Again, Artis Gilmore was a good defender in his era, but nobody's stopping Shaq on, on, you know, in this series, nobody's going to stop Shaq. Um, the the tank that is Shack the top ten scorer that is Shack nobody's gonna be able to um, to, to to guard him um, the most interesting matchup in in this series I would say um, to be honest on both ends of the court is the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh Dennis Rodman uh, matchup again Hani just talked a whole lot about Dennis Rodman how he's one of the greatest defenders of all time. The issue with this, though, is the fact that Dennis Rodman is, no matter how good he is, he is undersized, and not to mention he's undersized against the greatest scorer of all time in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar putting up that skyhook, nobody's going to be able to get that shot, you know, except for, like, Will Chamberlain is the only guy I've ever seen uh, with footage that's being able to block Kareem skyhook. And even that, he blocked him only a few times out of however many hundred uh, of shots that Kareem took over. Well, you know, so Dennis Rodman is a good defender, no doubt, but it comes down to the dominance of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the height, um, you know, the physical um, prowess of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the fact that he can dominate um, from the high post inside um everywhere inside the high post kareem can exploit dominate that matchup you know he doesn't have to run around because he can just stand in one spot turn around and rise up over dennis rodman flipping things over to the defensive matchup um in this regard now throughout this whole bracket um we've seen kareem kind of get exposed a lot defensively but in this matchup Kareem won't get exposed defensively Even in, um, you know, which really works well for the Lakers They won't have to worry about, um, you know, giving up a bunch of points to the guy who Kareem is guarding Because of the fact that Dennis Rodman, you know, no disrespect, is not a offensive threat um, He'll get his offensive rebounds for sure But again, you're going against a guy who's like 7-2 in Kareem Abdul-Dubar But yeah, defensively, Dennis Rodman is not going to score, you know, 10 points even Like, that was not his game. So, Kareem, him being, you know, an average defender doesn't hurt him in this regard because of the fact that his matchup isn't going to do anything offensively. Kareem is free to use that whole 7-2 length to roam around the paint um, and help out Shaq at the the rim, block shots from guys like Michael Jordan and Derrick Rose, being able to help out... um, not to mention the fact that as we've talked about before, especially in the Chicago versus Miami series, Chicago's not a shooting team either. They're not gonna shoot the lights out um, either. So the Lakers being able to clog the paint comes with no repercussions because of the fact that nobody is gonna shoot the outside shot for the Chicago Bulls, minus maybe Scotty, maybe Michael from time to time. So the Lakers have are not being punished for their you know for their physical liabilities they're they're not in any danger of being uh exposed on that side of court uh which is why i think the lakers will take this matchup um in a six game series again if we're talking about uh before you know i move on to you even defensively the lakers are able to you know move around their pieces um in a way where it becomes more favorable to them now you know, if we played their position straight on, MJ would you know, Jerry West was a great player, but MJ would dominate Jerry West, no disrespect. But if you move your matchups, um to have a guy like Kobe on MJ and then move Magic Johnson to a guy like Scottie Pippen and then Jerry West on Derrick Rose, that would but be a much more even matchup, um and a more much more uh, a much better matchup uh for the Lakers rather than if you play them straight on by the position. So I think combined with everything I just talked about, I think I would definitely have to give the Lakers the championship in six games.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I mean, like, when we first had this matchup, I honestly thought that this was going to be a far more competitive um, competitive matchup. You know, something that, you know, obviously it's our final a finals round like we you know I thought we'd have a ton to to break down for this one and it would have been a toss-up kind of like some of the other series in this bracket but looking at it now like diving into the series just diving into the individual matchups I mean it's just clear the Lakers they have the advantage here I mean it does ha- help to have you know top five scorers of all time and Kareem and and Kobe, and then having dominant players like Shaq and Magic Johnson. So, you know, again, like, it all really comes down to the individual matchups. Like, again, I broke down the effectiveness of the Bulls' defense. But again, if the Bulls aren't able to score, then that, that that defense isn't going to help them like it's really not because again I looking at the matchups the only if we're playing positionally the only advantage that the the Bulls have is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, you know, outscoring Jerry West, but is Michael going off going to be really enough? That's going back to Michael in his rookie days where that's all he did. You know, he put the team on his back and then he he tried to carry them to the wins and that's why the Bulls weren't winning at that time because you can't one player can't win a series. We've seen that time and time again when, you know, LeBron put up superhuman efforts to make that a possible. But even then, he still broke down and eventually, you know, tired out from that. So, you know, I I really have to agree that the Lakers had the advan- a lot of the advantages here, man. Like, you know, up and down. Like, I do like like the, the Dennis Rodman, the Jabbar thing is very interesting. Because again, and I believe we brought that up. Um, I believe I think it was last episode where you brought up how you know moving, um, you know, having Kareem and Shaq in the paint may actually be sometimes a disadvantage for the Lakers because if there's a player who can spread the floor and kind of pull uh pull Kareem away from the basket, it actually reduces his effectiveness. But in this case, Rodman doesn't have that ability because he Rodman can't spread the floor. So, realistically speaking. Kareem's defensive liabilities actually become you know become a non-factor because you know Rodman just isn't a great offensive player and then on the other end Rodman can't def- can't really defend Kareem as well because he's giving up so much size. So that to me is, is is a huge advantage and then when you're talking about the Shaq aspect of that like you know just from a skim like a schematic perspective. How do you really stop this team? It's like Magic Magic has so many options to pass to. I mean, you can you can either give it to Kobe for a quick isolation or, or a quick post-up or a three-pointer. You can kick it out in the corner to Jerry West for, for a three. You can dump it down low to Kareem for a sky hook, or dump it down to Shaq, who can absolutely bully his opponent for a post-up. Like, it's, it's honestly perfect because offensively, like the Bulls, as great as the Bulls are, you know you can't really stop that. It's it's for any team. It's so hard to stop that. Um, yeah. And the fact and the fact that the Bulls can't outscore the Lakers just makes this a pretty easy decision that the Lakers would come away with the series in six games.
1: Um. Yeah. I think uh, Chicago could definitely steal a couple of games just because of how great they are. Um. But I think. Uh, as you're talking about, the, 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 um, wh- damn, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I was just going to say, you know, as I was talking about for my last series um, in the Western Conference Finals, the Lakers definitely don't have, you know, a, a very nice put together lineup. You know, it's more of a, it's not the greatest fit in the world. Um it's not really a very, you know, conducive lineup we can say. Having Kareem at the four, having Kobe at the three. Um it's it's not a very nice fitting lineup. But this is why we say talent supersedes everything in the NBA. Because of the fact that even though the Lakers don't have a free flowing, you know, nice looking nice fitting offense Just the sheer dominance and the sheer individual talent that they possess can put them over the top. They don't have to run any crazy sets. They don't have to run any, you know, crazy floppy screens, none of that. Why? Because they can literally give the ball to their individual scorers. Give the ball to Jerry West, get a mid-range, get a three-pointer. Give the ball to Kareem in the post. He'll just rise over Dennis Rodman, rise over whoever's guarding him. He'll just turn around and shoot a sky hook. Literally, just give the ball to Shaq, get out the way, and he'll dunk over who, everyone. He'll dunk over everyone. Give the ball to Kobe, get out the way. He'll he'll shoot his mid range jumpers. He'll shoot his threes. He'll attack the basket. So again, it's not, you know, we've seen, especially I think in the last few years, how great um, having a fully functional. Um, you know offense is especially we've seen that with the Warriors now recently with the Raptors you know having that uh, very beautiful looking offense is great and it does a lot to help you but it doesn't always help you win Um, especially if you have individual talent like the Lakers do you know uh, off the top of my head I can point to um the series that I think of This, um, you know, that summarizes this perfectly is the 2016 finals with the Cavs versus the Warriors. The Warriors have the much more free-flowing, much nicer-fitting offense. However, the Cavs just had Kyrie and LeBron doing their thing. And, you know, sometimes individual matchups just win in the NBA. That's how basketball is. That's how it's played. You know, sometimes you just can't stop it.
0: Yeah, I mean, again... This is no discredit to the Bulls. I mean, the fact that they made it this, pa- this far is, you know, impressive in its own right. But again, you ma- you 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 said it best. The uh, talent wins in this league, and we've it's been like that throughout the course of the league's history. That the team, the most talented team, the most talented group of players, typically are the most successful. And in this case, the Lakers have some of the greatest collection of talents of all time. Because they're, they're the Los Angeles Lakers, so that concludes this uh, this bracket. You know, I'm. It's kind of weird because I'm a little underwhelmed because it's the Lakers winning. But you know, congratulations. I mean, that's
1: to- that's pretty typical. I would say that's that's it, it makes I, sense to me. It's, I mean, they, it's L.A., bro.
0: It's LA. I mean Hollywood, the, man. The the fact that they've had this much talent and again I think Zishan mentioned this to me while we were doing the, the notes that if we did an entire roster, the Lakers would actually an all time roster, the Lakers would have um Will Chamberlain as their sixth man. Yeah, so but Will
1: Chamberlain as their sixth man. Uh off the top of my head, Elgin Baylor. Bro, that's insane. If LeBron plays a few more years at the level that he's playing at, you can literally add LeBron to that list, which is ridiculous. Like you know, it's it's Hollywood, man. It's it's at the end of the day, it's not too surprising that they won, considering you know their storied history, considering they were the first great dynasty, you know, in the NBA uh, with George Mike. And it's very, it's a very fitting end, I would say, to this bracket.
0: Yeah, so congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers who have the greatest starting five of all time, at least according to us in our bracket and our logic. So the, Yeah. D- so definitely, if you, if you missed any of the previous episodes, I don't know what you're doing here then, so definitely check those out and then come check this one out. But with that, that concludes this bracket. Let's now conclude this episode with the up and under segment for this week.
1: Yeah, Um, for the up and under segment, um i think first of all i'll just start off with uh the details about the return of the series of the nba season so we have more details coming out regarding the uh return of the nba season so i think the main topic of contention right now is the debate whether or not to restart the nba season primarily due to two reasons um number one due to the coronavirus um and number two due to all of the obviously you know we touched upon this before as well all the social issues surrounding um america right now um i'll I'll just read out some of the you know further details about the um potential restart of the nba season and then you know we can discuss how we feel about you know some of these things so um starting off the nba as well as disney Um, they're pretty much giving a bunch of amenities and stuff to the players that are stationed, um, at Disney World, uh, for the NBA season. Uh, this includes, um, chef, uh, you know, culinary teams for each, you know, uh, squad, um, video games available, movies, uh, they're opening up the parks for the, um families of the teams so their kids and everyone will be able to enjoy disney world um they'll also be able to get you know concerts um you know player lounges pool tables all of that um barbers pedicures manicures all of that um so pretty much they're making this a very you know uh, a very good environment the best possible environment um, that they could you know possibly make I I do have to tip my hat off to Adam Silver for being able to do all of this in such a short amount of time um, the most interesting thing I think from this uh, detail is the fact that teams will also be able to per, uh, will also be permitted to attend other games so if a team isn't playing they can watch and they can drop in on another game being played which you know I'll get your uh, thoughts on that afterwards I think it's very interesting um, next up we have the teams, all the returning teams that are there will be staying in three hotels. Um, so obviously, the higher seeded teams will stay in the better hotels um, because of the fact that, you know, they're, um, they, they're uh, favored to be in, the, in that location for a longer amount of time. Now, obviously, in the playoffs, if lower tier teams advance in the playoffs, they'll be moved to the better hotels. There will also be a whistleblower line, so, uh, aka the snitch line. So uh, <laughs> anonymous people can phone, you know, the NBA and pretty much snitch on other players. Um, that, for example, aren't wearing a mask or whatever, you know. So CP three wants to snitch on Kawhi or AD or something. He can call up Adam Silver on the snitch line and you know tell them.
0: Why? Why would he use the snitch line when he can just call Adam Silver directly? he I mean, is the head of the NBA, uh, nba
1: i mean i mean at least this will, will be anonymous you know so Dude, we all, all, know. The me- all the memes Dude. won't be coming after um there will also all be wear wearable tech you know to ta- track player health um again this was talked about before i think it's an optional thing uh whereas for example in the german league i think it's a mandatory thing um but for the nba they'll make it optional um Now, moving on to some of the social, you know, as I'm sure all of you guys have also, you know, seen some of these headlines. So Kyrie is leading the discussion um, as he is the NBPA vice president. Um, Players like Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley are also supporting him. Um, He's leading the discussion about trying to stop the restart of the NBA season due to, of course, all the social racial issues um, going on in America Dwight Howard did say that he is supporting Kyrie Irving but um, he did say that nobody will dictate um, you know and impose their will of whether the season will restart or not Um, apparently apparently you know we there is some question and validity to how true this report is but apparently you know Kyrie proposed to other people that he could start his own league or a bunch of people start their own league, which I mean if anyone was to say it, it would be Kyrie. Um on the opposite side of things though, however, guys like Austin Rivers, LeBron James, um Ed Davis, uh Patrick have Beverly. up Yeah, Patrick Beverly. Um well I don't know if Patrick Beverly was necessarily saying it, but he was agreeing he was saying the fact that whatever LeBron wants will happen. But pretty much guys like Rivers and LeBron have um opposed you know, Kyrie and Dwight Howard and those guys' view, and have pretty much said that letting them play would give them more financial flexibility to be able to help donate and support their causes and would also be able to give them a platform to further promote their social issues. Um, You know, more about that, pretty much Kendrick Perkins called Kyrie a distraction in this issue because he said you know Kyrie was preaching all this social change and all that where but he was taking all the headlines um and directing it towards him and pretty much kd called him a sellout so it's a whole you know it's a whole um situation it's not really a thing about right or wrong it's more of you know differing opinions and points of view um in other news, young players like uh, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, um, if they do return for the NBA season, they're trying to have insurance policies in their contracts um, you know, to make sure if that whatever happens to them, they will get some of their money because of the fact that all of these guys will be um, restricted free agents this coming summer. Um, and then finally, e- the NBA Coaches Union, also believe restarting this nba season potentially could ruin future coaching jobs in the um because of the fact that all of these guidelines that the nba is putting is geared towards you know older head coaches and minimizing mitigating some of the potential issues that they could have with the coronavirus and the coaches union is concerned that this could lead to a trickle down effect down the road where teams might not want to hire older coaches because of the fact that situations like this could happen again and then possibly having an older head coach you know could put you at a disadvantage um in that aspect so i think you know we can talk about all of these um points you know your thoughts on some of these things
0: um, okay, so there's basically so for, there's three main major topics going on just the, for the sake of time, I'm just gonna touch upon three uh, the three things. the first is which on on what the n b a is doing as far as um the players' accommodations go, I'm up on that. I think the fact that you're keeping players quarantined for you know close to around three four months, maybe if we're talking about the maximum time it could take. You know, you obviously want to give them the most that you can. And if you're the NBA, you have a ton of money. You might as well put it into making your players comfortable and happy in that situation. That is honestly kind of depressing if you really think about it in the grand scheme of things. So I do like Let that.
1: me, Yeah, let me just add in too. I think it would be dope. Obviously, it's not going to happen. But it would be really dope thing if uh, the NBA could do like um, what's called a reality TV show. Of this like a stuff. Hard Knocks? Yeah, yeah, bro, that that would be the most dope thing that ever, would be seeing, sick. Th- seeing these guys in that environment just chilling and doing all their stuff, you know, social media
0: like, content is going to be pretty, yeah, for bro, that. that
1: would be, that would be insane, obviously it's not going to happen considering all the things these guys are already going through, Um, and obviously the NBA doesn't do stuff like that, but it would be a really dope thing if it happened somehow, but yeah.
0: Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with that. I do like the fact that teams will be able to attend other games. That's something that I immediately like. As soon as I saw like Shams' tweet about this, I was like, "Look, if they can attend other games, this is great. So at least we can have some semblance of a crowd, you know, for 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 some of these games. So at least it's not just dead silence. Trash some, talking. Yeah, there's some trash talking. You know, it, it's it, that to me that's pretty cool. Um, obviously the hotels, I, to be honest with you, I don't personally care. You know, I think the, the higher seats should stay at that, the better hotel. It just makes sense that way. Um, yeah, the snitch line. I mean, I, I mean, I would've just gave CP3 a phone and be like, Hey, go nuts. Now that's personally what I would do. But, um, now the, the one, this is one thing that I, I do disagree with is the whole Kyrie situation. Now I, I understand what Kyrie's message is and I understand what he was trying to get at, but like you a lot of things that Kyrie says it really gets misconstrued based on the extra Kyreness he kinda puts onto it. You know, like he's saying that playing is going could be a distraction. Okay, definitely possible, but when you're looking at the fact between the, the what what a solution the NBA could do that can still make them money can crown a champion this year so teams that are actually were in contention could actually win the thing that they were trying to win and support all the causes and the situation going on and that solution happens to be playing you get you have the platform the NBA will support it you will crown a champion and you're supporting your causes everybody wins that is the best the best case scenario whereas if you don't play well, you anger the fans, you create frustration, you create chaos. And by the way, if Kyrie thinks he's going to create his own league, please. Like, that, that, that's probably one of the most boneheaded things I've, I've heard in a while from Kyrie, besides his flat-earth earth theory. So, I personally am on the side of Austin Rivers and LeBron James where we should play. I feel like you, if you, and Charles Barkley has even said it, you have a huge platform to play, and the NBA is going to support you. Adam Silver is going to support you. Like I bet he will support you kneeling in the anthem, even though that's not even allowed in the NBA. I bet he'll let you do it. So the fact that you are that power is powerful, it not allowed in the NBA? Apparently, an
1: informal rule because of you know the whole uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf thing. Um, to be honest I with don't you, remember if it was I don't an know actual sure. rule. Yeah, I don't but know. For I know sure. it's an informal. Rule Obviously, now, whatever happens, it's not going to be enforced the same way. And obviously, you know, people aren't going to get blackballed like how guys like Mahmoud Abdul-Roof and like Craig Hodges and stuff were. um But yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, yeah, so I, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on their side as well. But as far as the Kendrick Perkins thing goes, like, seriously, can, can we just remove the the word sellout from KD's uh, vocabulary? Like I, I think Katie seriously can't call anybody a sellout. That that's that's just me. Um and I and I don't disagree what Kyrie says. I mean sorry, what Kendrick Perkins said about Kyrie. Uh and finally the whole coaches union thing, I do agree that that could be possibly an issue. Because you know, as coaches are getting older, especially the guys like Greg Popovich, Mike Dantoni, Alvin Gentry, these are guys Some like at least Dantoni and Gentry are still coaches that are capable of, of of coaching for a little bit longer. Now, D'Antoni, how long is he going to last, especially with the Rockets? Who knows? Uh, Greg Popovich is probably on his way out of the league anyways, If that, like at least in my opinion. But yeah, I, I do think that's definitely going to be a, a a cause for concern for, for, for coaches. Um, as far as the young players are concerned, this is something that would be tough to implement, especially because of the fact that I don't think all of them are going to be free agents. I feel like Tatum has an extension that's going to kick in. Uh, I don't, I don't which remember
1: one. which ones are free agents, but um, they're pretty much all saying the same yeah. thing about, you know, their contract issues and whatnot, uh, yeah. which I do understand. Uh, no,
0: it's definitely understandable. But, again, like, it's going to take a lot of work because, again, if they just do it for these guys, they're going to have to do it for the veterans, and it, it's
1: not to mention the fact that the salary cap will definitely be lower and the fact that we nobody actually knows what the salary cap will be um, That's you know the problem. for pretty much the next few few years at least you know nobody's gonna know anything about the salary cap either so that's it's the kind problem. of yeah yeah exactly so it's kind of um, tough to dictate you know what, guys like Bam and Donovan. I think Donovan was the one who's going to be a restricted fee free. Um, he can make up to I think what was it like one eighty or something, uh, around that ballpark. Obviously, now with the salary cap, you know nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, Here's my
0: hot take. So my 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 hot take and my my my, my this is my theory. I see. I feel like this offseason is going to be a bunch of one or two year deals. No, teams, I, would, I would definitely say players that. and teams are going to just. They're going to take a, you know t- deals based off of this salary cap, and as soon as the league starts making money again, bang. Opt-outs, uh, player options. We're going to have another explosive free agency because everyone wants to re-earn their money once the league starts regaining revenue, which at this point we don't know when that will be.
1: Again, yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I'm sure that's what's going to happen. Um, Guys like, obviously, like, Fred Van Vliet and all those guys, you know... Um, Not that this was a loaded free agent class anyways, but, you know, those guys will probably all take, like, uh, shorter deals and all that. The issue for them, again, just, like, pretty much every other economic thing um, in the world right now is that nobody actually knows what's going to happen, so, you know, that is an issue for them. I think the biggest thing, um, you know, as far as this whole point is concerned um about whether or not to restart the season obviously you know the corona thing it has a whole lot of um you know people concerned i don't i don't you know disagree with their concern because it can be very dangerous you know especially for are you know spreading it to family members and you know whatnot um especially the fact that basketball is a contact game so whatever policies or whatever you can implement you can implement as many policies as you want the fact is that if the nba season restarts you're gonna have that risk so for guys that don't want to play you know you can't blame them um at the end of the day uh regarding the whole thing about not restarting the season um due to social issues. I definitely understand what guys like Kyrie, um and Dwight and Avery Bradley and stuff are saying. I can definitely understand that point of view, um, about how, you know, the season might, you know, distract from a lot of the change that's needed, um, obviously right now, um, a lot of the issues that are going on. But I think also the reverse, you know, the opposite side of the uh, spectrum is also true. Um, in that regard, you know, you have a platform where everyone's tuning in. You can definitely make some change on that platform as well. Um, you know, also issue of uh, Ed Davis, especially, I think, talked about it. You know, he he said he talked about how a guy like Kyrie doesn't have to worry about the financial repercussions um, because of the fact that you know he is on that hundred plus million dollar contract whereas other guys you know especially you're talking about guys that are on the fringes of the league the the g league type of guys those guys are not getting really paid that much if you actually look at their salaries they're not making too much money like that either so for them uh sacrificing that you know would not be ideal especially when you can get that money and be able to uh spend it in the way you like for example you know giving that money back to whatever social charitable issues um and organizations that you want to so I think like I don't disagree with that point of view um that guys like Kyrie and Dwight and stuff are talking about but I would definitely subscribe to the other point of view of probably restarting the season again guys like Kyrie and Dwight have said that that's just their opinion and they're talking to others about it but whatever the players as a collective you know group decide those guys will go with um and those guys will accept so either way I think the season will restart um I think the majority of players will come back um you know but whoever doesn't want to come back Adam Silver said you know it's not for everyone Um, so, you know, people don't want to come back, uh, you know, with everything going on, it is what it is, you know, you can't really blame them too much, I guess.
0: Yeah. So, moving on, um, for the sake of time, are you up or under on John Wall trying to get DeMarcus Cousins, who happens to be a free agent at this moment in time and can sign with the team for a playoff run, is trying Um, to, trying to get DeMarcus Cousins?
1: Uh, I'm up on that because of the fact that I think, you know, Boogie for himself would be able to go to a team that would give him the ball, be able to showcase his skills after all these injuries. You know, him going to, you know, the Wizards would be a nice pairing with, you know, a former teammate in John Wall. Um, John Wall's been trying to get Boogie for pretty much since they came out of Kentucky together. He's been trying to get him um, on the same team. So, I think for both sides uh this would probably be a good option,
0: not to mention it could be a cheap, cheap deal for the wizards Because the wizards i mean they could probably afford afford maybe a ten million dollar deal for boogie um yeah so i um, i i I don't see why not I mean, the wizards are rebuilding, but if you can have a core of b like, if you're gonna wall come back to at least eighty percent of what he used to be, the b o and the step that he's taken and then have. Have a have DeMarcus Cousins, not bad.
1: At the very least, he could be a uh, you know a nice reclamation project. So, at the very least, he could you know function as a nice surprise for you. Um, moving on, are you up or under on the Detroit Pistons? Uh, hiring the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, vice president or former Oklahoma City Thunder vice president Troy Weaver as their new GM.
0: I'm up on this. The Pistons obviously need a lot of help on a rebuild. And one of the best front offices probably of the last decade or so has been the Oklahoma City Thunder. And, you know, the staff working under Sam Presti has done a fantastic job. Just look at what they've done to really turn around their franchise within the last season or so. I mean, the fact that you're able to get rid of Russell Westbrook and Paul George, get so so much draft capital, and build a young team that made it to the playoffs... With future flex- cap flexibility is impressive in its own right. So the fact that the Pistons are going after a guy from from that uh, lineage to me is is, is a good move. Um, now, how successful will Troy Reaver be? We're gonna have to s- have to see for uh, for ourselves. But uh, I think it was a good move overall for the Pistons. Um, moving on, are you up or under on the New York Knicks interviewing I- some candidates for their head coaching vacancy? They include Ai Mudoka and of the Philadelphia 76ers, and Pat Delaney, assistant coach from the Orlando Magic.
1: Um, I mean, I'm up on it. You know, those are some good names. Um, I would probably like to see a guy like Kenny Atkinson, um, that name thrown in there. Um, But either way, at least, you know, they're doing their due diligence on some, you know, guys that have been rumored um, as potential head coaches for a while. Um, at this point, you know, anything is better than what's going on right now. I, I do like Mike Miller. Uh, I will give Mike Miller some credit. I, I do like what he's done um, with the roster that he's been given. But, you know, at this point, it's you got to try whatever you can if you're the Knicks. Um And, yeah, finally, are you up or under on... The Toronto Raptors announcing that they're tweaking their logo and their jerseys to resemble uh, more of the chevron uh, design that the Raptors used um, last year on their championship run.
0: Um, I'm obviously up on it. Obviously, I didn't really expect the Raptors to change their 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 look. I would, however, like the logo to be tweaked a little bit. Like not the the raptor the 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 ball and the claw. I like that element of it, actually. What I don't like is like how they represent the, the Toronto Raptor name. I, I don't like how that's been done. I think it's just too plain and boring. So I think if they can tweak that up, I would definitely like that. As far as the jerseys are concerned, I don't mind the Chevron jerseys. But personally, to me, my favorite Raptor jerseys are the, bla- are the black jerseys. The, 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 the primary black and with the red accents. I think those look very sharp. People disagree with that one, but... You know, I as long as we, as long as we get sick OVO jerseys, I don't think anyone's gonna care.
1: Yeah, um, I think for me as a Raptors fan, I feel like, uh, it, to be honest, I've kind of been the one thing I can say that has been lacking from the Raptors. I would say, is um, you know, the design aspects, not not a lot of the you know. Um, city designs and whatnot because that's been dope. Obviously, Drake and OVO stuff has helped with that, but I'm talking about more of their you know, on court jerseys and all that. Um, I think that could definitely be upgraded. I felt like it's been pretty much kind of plain since you know, the the throwback Raptors uniforms of you know, the purple pinstripe, those ones. Um, I feel like we could definitely get an upgrade. Um, in in that department, to be honest.
0: Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Obviously, nothing's gonna happen immediately. Uh, one thing I do want to mention with the Raptors is their Sun Life uh endorsement patch is actually their contract that's expiring at the end of the season. So Good, who knows? We, ugly, uh, ugly patch, bro. I don't like that, but we might have that OVO logo. Oh yeah, yeah, they're there. gonna have
1: they're gonna have OVO on it. At least that wouldn't well, make I mean, sense, though. So I
0: mean, Drake is Drake is already on that. You already know.
1: Well, I mean, they, that's their practice facility. They, they literally yeah. have the OVO practice facility. At least that'll make yeah. more sense, you know. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. But with that, that concludes this week's episode. A little bit of a long one this time around. But we hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Definitely subscribe to the show for all the... You know, on all the various podcasting platforms, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, basically wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. So stay tuned for future content as this, we'll get closer and closer for the season returning. We're going to be getting, churning out more content soon, so definitely stay tuned for that. Follow us on social media for all the latest updates of when we're going to post that new content. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at upletter and under, pod. Facebook.com slash up and uh, so follow us there for all the latest updates and our reaction to news as they, recur- as they occur. And uh, check out our website, upandunderpodcast.com. It's a central hub for the show. It's also a place where you can read blog posts about every episode. If you don't have time to listen to the whole episode, you can also read about it on our website. So definitely check that out if you haven't already done so already. And I'm going to say it again, stay safe. Hopefully we'll get through this pandemic sooner rather than later. And keep following the health officials. And uh, yeah. We will see you guys all in the next one. Take it easy. Easy.